Welcome to Damn Good Movie Memories with your host, Brian Davis. This podcast is the cure for your long commute and super boring workday. listening to them clinking. But they're gonna remind you of what I've been saying. Wish you'd stop being so good to me, Captain. Don't you ever talk that way to me. Never! Never! What we've got here is failure to communicate. What we got here? Failure to communicate. Is a failure to communicate. It's Brian Davis, and for this week's episode, we're going to cover the movie Cool Hand Luke from 1967. The studio was Warner Brothers. The release date was November 1st, 1967. The running time, 126 minutes, with a budget of $3.2 million. The box office took in $16.2 million, which would be the equivalent of $125 million today. It was a 17th-ranked movie of 1967. Rotten Tomatoes gives it 100% fresh from 50 reviews. The critics' consensus is, though hampered by Stuart Rosenberg's direction, Cool Hand Luke is held aloft by a stellar script and one of Paul Newman's most indelible performances. So there are certain films that just become part of movie folklore, whether it be from the actors in the film or specific lines of dialogue or even the scenes themselves. In the case of Cool Hand Luke, this movie really wins the Triple Crown, and baseball fans will get this reference. To pick a best Paul Newman movie is just impossible, but Cool Hand Luke has to be in the top five. 
And the reason Cool Hand Luke is a classic, besides the great acting, is the story is timeless, which we will get into. Alright, the main cast, of course, Paul Newman plays Luke, and he began his career in the early 1950s, he appeared on TV shows, but his breakout film role was as boxer Rocky Graziano in 1956's Somebody Up There Likes Me. From there, he just continued to make a name for himself and eventually became one of the most popular actors of the 1960s. A few of his best-known films up until Cool Hand Luke include The Long Hot Summer with his wife Joanne Woodward, Cat on a Hot Tin Roof with Elizabeth Taylor, The Young Philadelphians, Exodus, The Hustler with the amazing Jackie Gleason, HUD, Harper, Torn Curtain, which was a Hitchcock movie, and Ombre. I suppose the best comparison now to Newman would be Tom Hanks, as he's one of the most well-respected actors in the business, along with his plethora of charity work throughout his life that he had. For example, his Newman-branded food products are notable for giving all the proceeds after taxes to charity, and yet another reason to buy those products. George Kennedy plays Dragline, and Kennedy started his career like Newman on TV shows, mostly playing heavies on westerns and cop shows. Kennedy was mostly known as a character actor, and he didn't think he would ever get a shot at a part this big like in Cool Hand Luke. But he was just perfect for the role, and he did appear in the great film The Dirty Dozen the same year as Cool Hand Luke. There was so much talent, even for the small roles in this film, and nobody went overboard. They all knew their roles. It was just a tremendous team. The actors who played the prisoners bonded, and you can't script that. It just has to happen, and it just made magic. And some other great actors in this film includes, of course, Struther Martin, Joe Van Fleet, Harry Dean Stanton, and Dennis Hopper. The director, Stuart Rosenberg, and just like Newman and Kennedy, Rosenberg got his start in television directing shows, including 16 episodes of The Untouchables with Robert Stack. Cool Hand Luke would be his directorial debut for films. He would go on to direct another Paul Newman movie, The Drowning Pool, in 1975, which was a sequel to Harper. He would also direct The Amityville Horror in 1979 and Brewbaker with Robert Redford in 1980. All right, let's get into the making of the film. It was kind of the end of the era of sorts when the hero was kind of supposed to be a quote-unquote bad guy, meaning the prisoners were heroes and the Law and Order men were the villains. It was the anti-hero. So Stuart Rosenberg found a cheap copy of the novel Kuhan Luke and decided he wanted to make it into a film. The writer that was picked to adapt the screenplay had written Cap Lou, which was very popular with Jane Fonda and Lee Marvin and Nat King Cole. However, Rosenberg said his type of comedy was more dark in nature, like Cool Hand Luke, and less like Cat Baloo, so he changed it up. Columbia Pictures didn't want to do a prison picture or anything with a dark ending. However, Warner Brothers loved the story and found a way to make the film. The author of the original novel was one of the prisoners and also a technical advisor, and his name was Don Pierce. Pierce actually went to prison for being a counterfeiter and a safecracker, and his experiences on a Florida chain gang is what became the novel version of Cool Hand Luke. Paul Newman at the time wanted a part that he had to really stretch to play rather than having a character written just for him. He wanted to turn into the character and not vice versa. The Luke character in the book was far less likable than what the film version portrayed. And often with Paul Newman characters in films was no matter what type of role he played, you always liked him, just like Tom Hanks. Even in a film like HUD, where he wasn't supposed to be likable, you still did like him. But Newman always had an ability to make everything look easy, and great entertainers and athletes do this. But the fact is, he did put in a lot of time and effort into every performance that he gave, and this is why he's fabulous in every film. The actors in the film adored working with Newman because he was one of the few stars that didn't have an ego. He was just one of the guys. 
And again, I think Tom Hanks has a lot of Paul Newman in him, like I mentioned before. All right, let's get into the film. Unlike most films from earlier years of Hollywood, Cool Hand Luke doesn't start with the title cards and the cast introductions. No, we get right out of the gate and we see a very drunk Luke Jackson cutting off the heads of a number of parking meters late one night in a small town in Florida. And the funny thing is he seems to be doing out of sheer boredom or maybe even fun because he's not getting any money out of the cut meters. This scene was actually filmed in Lodi, California, and after the filming, the city did not replace the meters, and for many years afterwards, you could go there and see a block-long row of metal posts sands the meters. So eventually, the fun ends, and a patrol car comes and arrests Luke. The smile and the giggling that he gives to the officers is just priceless, and then the next scene, we see a chain gang on the highway cutting dead weeds and shrubs with a sickle. Luke is brought in in a van and with the other prisoners to meet the warden, who is known as Captain, played by Struther Martin. Of note, Luke is also with a very young Harry Dean Stanton, who plays Tramp. Struther Martin has a very unique and recognizable voice. Lucas Jackson. Maliciously destroying municipal property while under the influence. What was that? Cutting heads off of parking meters, Captain. We ain't never had one of them before. Where do you think that's gonna get you? I guess you could say I wasn't thinking, Captain. Uh, since here that you did real good in the war. Uh, Silver Star, Bronze Star, Purple Purple Hearts, uh, Sergeant. And come out the same way you went in. Look, right. Like I was just passing time, Captain. Well, you got yourself some time now. Two years. Well, hell, that ain't much. Uh, we got a couple of men here doing 20 spots. Uh, we got one that's got all of them. We got all kinds, and you're going to fit in real good. Of course, in case you get rabbit in your blood and you decide to take off for home, you get a bonus in time and set of leg chains to keep you slowed down just a little bit. Uh, for your own good. You'll learn the rules. Uh, it's all up to you. I can be a good guy, or I can be one real mean son of a bitch. It's all up to you. Now it's time for the new prisoners to learn the rules from Carr, the floor walker, played by Clifton James. And there's a lot to learn about spending a night in the box. There's no plain grab ass or fighting in the building. You got a grudge against another man, you fight him Saturday afternoon. Any man playing grab ass or fighting in the building spends a night in the box. First bell is at five minutes of eight. When you go get in your box. Last bell is at eight. Any man not in his bunk at eight spends a night in the box. There's no smoking in the prone position in bed. To smoke, you must have both legs over the side of your bunk. Any man caught smoking in the prone position in bed spends a night in the box. You get two sheets every Saturday. You put the clean sheet in the top, the top sheet in the bottom, the bottom sheet you turn in the laundry board. Any man turns in the wrong sheet spends a night in the box. Which no one will sit in the bunks with dirty pants on. Any man with dirty pants on sitting on a bunk spends a night in the box. Any man don't bring back his empty pop bottle spends a night in the box. Any man loud talking spends a night in the box. You got questions, you come to me. I'm Carr, the floor walker. I'm responsible for order in here. Any man don't keep order spends a night in the box. I hope you ain't gonna be a hard case. Hey. Which sheet? 
anything before. See what to tell you. Owe me a cold run. I owe you. I owe you. Forward, Slinky! The next morning, the guys are back cutting dead weeds in the highway under sweltering Florida heat. Tramp ends up passing out and dumped into the back of the wagon. The lunch they are served consists of beans and cornbread, and after their work shift is over, they return back to the camp. So one of the newer prisoners has been suckered into paying a dollar for sweeping duty to a veteran prisoner, not realizing that they don't get to pick which jobs they actually get. So when the new guy mildly complains to the boss, Boss Godfrey, played by Morgan Woodward, he is rewarded with a night in the box, which is essentially a dark closet and not very pleasant to say the least. The next day we get one of many famous scenes in this movie. This involves the washing of the car by a very attractive blonde woman played by Joy Harmon. I'm pretty sure every 80s music video from a hairband was inspired by this scene. I mean, look, Warren's Cherry Pie alone was essentially this one scene from Cool Hand Luke. George Kennedy is hilarious. Now, I'm going to play the clip just so you can hear the comments from the guys, but it's definitely a scene that needs to be viewed <laughs> to, appre to be appreciated. Well, I've been off there, boss. Wipe it off, man. Taking them off here, boss. All right, take it off, man. Damn things is blocking the scenery. Oh, man, oh, man, I'm dying, I'm dying.
doesn't know what she's doing. Oh, boy, she knows exactly what she's doing. She's driving us crazy and loving every minute of it. Shut your mouth about my Lucille. So for the car washing scene, the director instructed Joy Harmon on each little move she made. Every move was scripted because each frame mattered in the scene. However, it's all just a setup for the fight scene coming up. So Joy Harmon said that she almost turned down the role for the car wash scene, not because of any discomfort over the sexual nature of the scene, but because the filmmakers wanted her to smoke marijuana before the shoot began, apparently thinking that would have put her in the proper mindset. She did voice her objections about doing this, so they dropped their request, and she did the scene without the marijuana. So one guy I forgot to mention is Dennis Hopper, who plays Baba Lugatz, and is the same quirky, simple-minded sort of character that he always seemed to play often in his early roles. At this point, the leader of the prisoners is Dragline. That's, of course, George Kennedy. And Luke isn't impressed with Dragline, nor his constant ramblings about Lucille, the blonde washing the car that he's named. So the next day, the two square off in a boxing match outside of the barrack. Luke just takes a vicious beating from Dragline, but he refuses to stay down. This stubborn, won't-quit attitude from Luke leads Dragline and the rest of the prisoners to respect Luke. It's also what always gets Luke into trouble. Stay down. 
somebody ought to stop this thing. Stay down. You're beat. You're gonna have to kill me. That entire fight scene was really Kennedy and Newman, not stunt doubles, and it was all up close. So Newman kept his physique with 200 sit-ups every morning. He went to the sauna and then would dunk his head in a sink full of ice, and that was it. Also, the fight scene between them took three days to shoot. George Kennedy said that they were both completely worn out from the fighting, and in Paul Newman's case, from falling onto the hard ground for three full days. After the fight, the boys decide to play some poker, and we hear how Luke gets his nickname. All right, that's right. Here we go. King gets a three. Queen, deuce. Seven. Pair of savannas right here. Deuce gets a four. No help. And the three gets big ace. Bet the savannas. Shooter. What you gonna do? Oh. oh. I call. A dollar? What? One call? time. All right, I'll call. Well, if I catch, I'm gonna burn you. I'll call. King three, you got a four. Queen deuce gets a five, and a pair of sevens gets a John, and the big ace gets slop in the face. Okay, you still do the talking. Cuter again. I call. What you got? I can see that monitor. What you got in the hole? He ain't got nothing. Joan raised his head off. Been bent his head since ago. All right, then you just call him. I call. You gotta see a gambler come. You got it. I can't, I can't, I can't catch I'm safe then. Can't catch. I vote. King four three. You got a nine. Nothing visible. Pair sevens and a jack gets a six. Savannah's, you still a better man. Cuter. I'm beat down. Doesn't have mm -hmm. Kick him back a buck. 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 Kick a buck. 
Damn. Don't look at me, motherhead. <laughs> <laughs> well, come on. What you gonna do? Play like a coconut? You got to call him anyway. I know he's got a pair of kings. You don't have to stuff up my nose. Well, you still gotta call him anyway. You gotta, you gotta look at him. The man's got kings. Get your tail out. Yeah. You wanna see him? Yeah. Right there. One, two, three, four, five. Yeah. Oh, like that, right? Nothing. Just like today when he kept coming back at me with nothing. Yeah, well. Sometimes nothing can be a real cool hand. Go sit in here next to my boy. The next day, Luke gets a visit from his mother, played by Joe Van Fleet, who is sick and she is dying. She is laying in the back of a truck and smoking, because why not at this point, right? In any case, we sort of get a little insight about why Luke is the way he is. He never really knew his father and never could be consistent with his life. It's a great scene and shows how Hollywood used to really put some depth into character development and dialogue. It's not just CGI and action back then like it is today. <laughs> What went wrong? Nothing. Everything's cool as can be. No. I let him. I tried. I mean, to live always free and above board like you, but I don't know. I just can't seem to find no elbow room. You, you always had good jobs. And that girl... In, in Kentucky. Oh, I've taken a shine to her. She sure took off. That convertible fella. Well, why not? I dear Mary and got you all, all, all bollocked up. <laughs> Trying to be respectable. <laughs> you, you was born the hell out of all of us. <laughs> I'm leaving the place to John. That's good. He earned it. Ain't nothing to do with it. I just... I just never give John the... the kind of, you know, feeling that I give you, so I'm... I'm, I'm gonna pay him back now. Oh, don't feel you have to say anything. It's the way it is, you see... It, Sometimes you just, you just have a feeling for a child. Else and you don't. With John, I, I just didn't. I gotta go, Arlena. Yeah, well, laugh it up, kid. You, you, you'll make out. 
So Betty Davis actually turned down the role of Paul Newman's mother in the film, and of course it went to Joe Van Fleet. And Van Fleet was actually only 11 years older than Paul Newman, but she was convincing enough to play his mother just the same. So after weeks of cutting down the weeds next to the highway, the gang is tasked with paving the highway by throwing dirt on top of the hot tar. Instead of pacing himself, Luke decides to get competitive and work as hard and as fast as he can. And his enthusiasm is just contagious as the rest of the guys decide to do the same. In this scene, we can see that Luke can be a leader and leads by example. Sometimes it's positive, like here. And we'll see later, it's not always the best route. The score by Lalo Schifrin is excellent. Hey, buddy. Slow down. That's a long road. Yeah, well, man won't see, let's just give it to him. Ram it in, break it off. Yeah. Go hard. Yeah. What are we racing for? Speed. Give it to him. All right. Use that shovel like it was your spoon. Check it, man. Oh, man. Yeah. Get the man, boy. Get the man. Move that up here, boss. Move that up here, boss. Nothing. 
So for the road tarring sequence, the actors actually blacktop a mile-long stretch of highway for the county. So that night, Dragline decides to go on boasting about his boy Luke and how he can beat anyone in an eating contest, which leads to another classic scene in a film filled with them. You call me a liar? No, not a liar. You just have a common and likable tendency toward exaggeration. Ho, ho, ho. That there's the champion hog gun in this camp. Hell, I seen him eat 10 chocolate bars and 7 cold drinks in 15 minutes. He can eat busted bottles and rusty nails any damn thing. If you be so kind to let me cut off your Yankee head, he'll eat me that. <laughs> I can eat 50 eggs. Nobody can eat 50 eggs. You just said he could eat anything. You ever eat 50 eggs? Nobody ever eat 50 eggs. Hey, Babalugat, we got a bet here. My boy says he can eat 50 eggs, he can eat 50 eggs. Yeah, but in how long? The hour. Well, I believe I'll take part of that wager. No. Two dollars, right here, the way to call. Oh, come on now, let's talk some money. Oh, I twenty dollars. Anything. Syndicate will cover any kind of bet you want to make. Go, go get some paper. Drag. Fifty eggs got away a good six pounds. Man's gut can't hold that. They'll swell up and bust them open. They're gonna kill him. All right, get your money up. Now, gambler, dynamite, come on, get it up. Coconut head's gonna take all the money. Come on, loudmouth, get it up. Oh, wait just a minute. How's it going? Boy, for 15 minutes, eat the whole thing in an hour. Before the contest, Dragline gets Luke into eating shape by running him around the camp and making him eat fast to prepare his stomach for 50 eggs. And then finally, the big day comes. All right, now the rest of you, I want to hear from some big money men. Where's all the high rollers? Well, I believe you've got it all, Dragline. Every cent in camp is riding. Oh, oh, what's the time? Come on, my baby. Come on, baby. Come on, baby. Four minutes to go. Just let that little old belly sag and enjoy yourself. Stretch it out. That's She's up 39. Okay, going down into the tummy. Yeah. 44 minutes, you'll never be. Oh, wow. Dick, you. Oh, that's good. Tramp, I had $5. $41. Yeah. Stay loose, buddy. Just nine more between you and everlasting glory. He's eating them, alibi. Ah, he's chewing. Look at that. Just their low legs. They're pigeon eggs, that's all. Fish egg practice. How much more time, Carr? Six minutes to go, Stevie. Oh, come on, come on, come on. Let him chew, chew, chew. You're helping him chew now. I'm not oh, eating all he's dead. Forty-two. He's not spitting him out, is he? He's betting on it, babe. Tiny, tiny eggs. He's going down. He's going down. Chew, chew. Come in. Here we go. Here we go. Two minutes to time. All right now, get mad at them damn dads. Eat it, that boy. Chew on it. No on it. Thirty seconds. 
You can't tell from the clip, but Luke is laid out on the table like Jesus on the cross with an exhausted smile. Also, the tension in this scene, even though it's supposed to bring some levity to the film, is brilliant, and you really don't know if Luke can do it or not, and the cinematography is perfect. For the egg scene, George Kennedy said they made about 200 hard-boiled eggs, but the smell would permeate the set for the next few days, which made everyone run for the doors. Newman had the ability and muscle control to distend his stomach so it looked bloated and full. In actuality, Newman only ate eight eggs himself, while the rest of the cast and crew ate the eggs, and I can only assume a recreation of the Blazing Saddles campfire's bean-eating scene was happening on the Cool Hand Luke set. So as with Luke's life, it's always one step forward and then two steps back. He never gets ahead for one reason or another, and after accomplishing the egg feat, his days seem to be getting better until he receives a letter which informs him that his mother has died. I don't care if it rains or freezes as long as I've got a plastic Jesus sitting on the dashboard of my car. Comes in colors pink and pleasant Glows in the dark cause it's iridescent Take it with you When you travel far Get yourself a sweet Madonna Dressed in rhinestone setting on a pedestal of Abalone Shell Going 90 I ain't scary Cause I got the Virgin Mary Assuring me That I won't go to That song is called Plastic Jesus, and the banjo was given to Luke by his mom after her visit. 
The next day, as a preventative measure, the captain brutally puts Luke in the box to prevent him from escaping the camp because, as he puts it, prisoners start thinking about running like a rabbit when something tragic happens outside the camp. Not a very sentimental warden. Even the guard apologizes to Luke, saying he's just doing his job. And Luke, of course, replies, just calling it your job doesn't make it right, boss. Luke is taken out of the box a few days later on the 4th of July. The unjust punishment has the reverse effect on Luke, who decides he's now going to escape, and decides to start sawing the floor near his bunk. One of the prisoners gets caught trying to escape, but Luke manages to get past the guards. This leads to a great chase scene on foot, as the prison hounds try to keep up with the scent from Luke, but he has them running around in circles and getting caught in the wire fences. Luke is smiling the entire time while running and seems to really be enjoying himself. The police car comes back to the camp and we think that Luke might have been caught as we see someone's legs sprawled in the back seat. But it isn't Luke. It's the prisoner who trains the hounds. Then he goes to the trunk and we think maybe Luke's in there, but he isn't. Instead, the chase was too strenuous for one of the hounds and he died in pursuit and the trainer takes the dead hound from the trunk. It's a well-shot scene as it keeps you guessing the entire time. Luke is eventually caught and brought back to the highway where the men are working. This leads to one of the most famous scenes and lines of dialogue in film history. Mr. Honeycutt. Get in line facing the captain. used to wearing them chains after a while, Luke. But you never stop listening to them clinking. Because they're gonna remind you of what I've been saying. Or you're on good. Wish you'd stop being so good to me, Captain. Don't you ever talk that way to me. Never! Never! we've got here is failure to communicate. Some men you just can't reach. So you get what we had here last week, which is the way he wants it. Well, he gets it. And I don't like it any more than you men. I'm assuming many younger folks first heard this line from the Guns N' Roses song Civil War as it was the beginning of that song, and you kind of have to hand it to Axl Rose for using one of the best movie lines to start one of his songs. As everyone will learn, Luke does exactly the opposite of what you would expect someone to do. Instead of laying low, he decides to step up his attempts to escape. It's sort of like in football, when you call running plays when the defense expects you to pass, or vice versa. I tell you, you don't believe in no God, Luke. I was wondering how come a, a nice, clean-cut young fella like you gets to be put on the hard road. Now I reckon I knows. I've been on a 
Road gang almost 22 years. And all that time, I ain't never killed no white man. But I ain't a fear to, because... Excuse me, boss. Don't mean to interrupt. Caught short here. It's all right. It's okay. We're just going out there behind them trees. Man's got to have his privacy sometime. Just keep shaking that bush and we know you're there. Just keep shaking that bush. Yes, boss. escapes again and runs into a few local kids who help him get his leg irons off. An axe. Can too. I bet you can't. Can too. Bet you can't. Can too. I bet you can't. Can. Well then go get it, man. What's your name, boy? Ben. Ben, huh? And you gonna take them stats off your pants? You know it, kid. You want to see something real funny? Yeah. Well, you go on in there and you get me a uh, chili powder and pepper and curry and the like. A lot of it, all right?
He'll be all right. Hey, boy. Boy. Now, listen, you're going to have some fun. You hear that? Well, you remember how them dogs do when they come through here, so you can tell me about it someday, okay? The chili powder is, of course, to throw off the scent of the dogs, and the two boys have a great time watching the dogs go crazy. Luke sends the guys at the camp a magazine with his picture hidden in it with two women on his side. The guys love it and revel in knowing that Luke got out and is thriving with his newfound freedom. However, Luke is caught again and brought back badly beaten to the camp. Come on in there, wicker man. You run twice, you got yourself two sets. You ain't gonna need no third set, cause you're gonna get your mind right. And I mean right. Take a good look at Luke. Cool hand, Luke. Luke doesn't last more than a day before he's thrown into the box after slacking off on the highway. He does get out of the box to eat, but Dog Boy decides to give Luke a giant plate of food, which isn't a good thing as each prisoner must finish their meal or get thrown in the box. The guys, showing solidarity to Luke, each take a spoonful of Luke's meal for themselves as Luke is too weak to eat. However, the guys can't help Luke as the warden and the guards are going to make an example out of him. They make Luke dig a giant ditch all day long instead of getting a day off with the rest of the guys. The back and forth of the two bosses saying to dig a ditch, then to fill the ditch, is all to break Luke from never wanting to escape again. And if he dies in the process, the warden would probably be fine with that. Interestingly enough, two of the songs that Tramp plays during Luke's day of digging ditches are two songs that Creedence Clearwater Revival eventually covered, Midnight Special and Cottonfields. The warden wants the rest of the guys to see Luke broken in order to show them that their hero is gone. This works temporarily, but, well, you're going to have to watch the rest of the film to find out what happens with old cool hand Luke. It's definitely worth the ride. All right, some fun facts. George Kennedy won an Oscar for his role as Dragline. So during the Oscar nomination process, George Kennedy was worried about the box office success of Camelot and Body and Clyde. So he invested $5,000 in trade advertising to promote himself. Kennedy later stated that thanks to the award, his salary was multiplied by tenfold the minute he won. He also added the happiest part was that he didn't have to only play villains anymore. Paul Newman was nominated for Best Actor, but he lost to Rod Steiger for In the Heat of the Night. Lalo Schifrin's score for the tar paving scene was taken by Eyewitness News for their theme song. So according to Jack Lemmon's son, Chris, Jack Lemmon was actually originally selected to play the part of Luke. But after reading the script, he saw that Paul Newman would actually be better. So he decided to produce it instead. All right, we have two great guests to talk about this classic of a movie. We get a blast from the past with the return of my other brother, Brian, who you love from past episodes. And then we also get frequent guest Eric Sinzak, who is always terrific to chat about. Cool hand, Luke. And I will be back next week to talk about yet another random movie from my DVD collection. Well, it's been far too long. It's time to bring back my other brother, Brian. Brian, welcome. Oh, hello. <laughs> well, you know, from way back, 
uh, we had Cool Hand Luke came up. I forgot what episode it was, and uh, and so I knew eventually when I got to this film, this this is when I had to have you on because this is actually one of your your favorite Paul Newman movies, and that says a lot because he's got so many. Yeah, he's got a, lot, a bunch of them. Um, yeah, this is definitely one of my favorite Newman movies, and uh, yeah, probably one of my. It, I made a back in I don't know early two thousands. I made a list of like my personal top. 25 movies or so and i think this is in there kind of around number 20 or so if i remember right so yeah well, so a, now i'm curious movie. what is your we'll go through do you remember your top 10 <laughs> my top 10 i don't see i don't even remember anymore because it's changed so much and like sure. i haven't and I, I don't think i even have the like the word doc that it was in <laughs> <laughs> so so that kind of saves me an embarrassment in case I had some bad ones on there. But Got it. Um, it, you had to be like Star Wars or The Empire Strikes Back was like one or two. And then like, okay. I think I had uh, Raiders of the Lost Ark in the top five. Probably was like number three. I don't know. Well, I'll remember uh, that because I definitely own those. And so I, I always yeah. knew if I ever got into Star Wars, you were going to be my go-to guy. So. <laughs> sure. <laughs> I'm waiting for the call. No. So we'll go to we'll go to Cool Hand Luke. And uh, first I'll ask, did you ever read the novel? No, I actually was reading about it recently or in just the last few days. And I didn't realize it was based on a novel. I thought it was just, you know, a story written for the film. So it's uh-huh. interesting to know that it was written by... A uh, guy was an ex-inmate. That's right. Uh, they turned it into a movie, so pretty cool. Yeah, and a lot of these stories are actually <laughs> are true <laughs> based on what he experienced. Yeah. yeah, even I guess the egg thing was was based on some real life contest. So, yeah, and that and there were some great great stories about the the filming of that egg scene, uh, whether it be um, the smell of <laughs> of eggs. Uh, oh my god can you imagine that oh god and then um uh, paul newman he didn't actually eat that many eggs he maybe ate Uh, like five eggs but he could distend his stomach so it looked like he did yeah he did he did a good job of that because yeah there was it didn't look like makeup at all so no i mean it's funny but it's also like really gross and it's it's kind (laughs) of hard to watch too you know (laughs) it is but it's so well acted uh yeah oh yeah you you really feel his his pain that he's going through. Yeah, and George Kennedy propping up and like just shoving eggs down on him, and he's. <laughs> oh yeah. I just look at because I can't even eat one hard boiled. I don't like hard boiled eggs. They're just cooked <laughs> to me. I love I like eggs like that are cooked and that are warm. I can't eat a cold egg. So the idea of like him like just popping so many down his mouth is just like oh god. Well, anything to pass the time in prison, I right. guess. Yes. <laughs> you certainly won over the crowd with that. Yeah. Well, that's what's amazing about this film. And I, I just movies like this uh, aren't made because it's just one of those. I mean, there is a plot, but it's not like a, a, it, it just is a day in the life or a day in the world. Yeah, it's, yeah I guess they call it well, like a character study or something like that. Yeah. You don't get those kind of movies anymore. I feel like this is like ha- when happened up until maybe the 60s and 70s and maybe even into the, into the 80s but mm-hmm. I don't, like, you don't really get any kind of movie like this anymore you can't see like a tom cruise or any or even a tom hanks like doing any kind of movie like this right right because even like forrest gump there's so much adventure and there is a there is yeah, kind of a yeah. story. uh but the characters in this film i mean obviously uh, Paul Newman is the star. He gets all, you know, the movie's named after him. Uh, but George Kennedy and, uh, you know, and, and there's so many great actors in this film. Yeah. Um, Strother Martin is the Strother cat. Martin. Yeah. Yeah. They're great. They're great. Uh, yeah. It's like a good movie for character actors. George Kennedy. I mean, it's funny because like the first time I saw him was on the Naked Gun movies and he's like a totally different guy. He's kind right. Of- 
<laughs> slubby old police, you know, detective. And now he's, the, you see him here like really buff and way younger. And it's, I don't know, it's interesting contrast. And then he even won the Oscar for it, which, which was interesting. Uh, he did a great job. And then you have uh, Dennis Hopper in a yes. pretty small part and uh, Harry Dean Stanton's in there. Joe oh, he's great. Baker. Yeah. So they're like all these great character actors in one movie and they don't have a lot like to say in most for the most part but like i don't know just like really good acting performances all around it's kind of kind of one of those movies where because there's not like a lot going on you just you pay attention to the acting more and um it's kind of it has kind of that stage play vibe to it but it it works really well i mean i think i don't think it i don't remember how long it is maybe it's like two hours but it kind of it goes by pretty quickly for like not much happening a given moment without without the action like you'd see in today's movies yeah it's about i think two two hours and ten minutes uh so yeah but it's it it's hard to say how today's audiences would would uh because there there is action i mean because he's on the run you know he keeps sure keeps doing yeah, these things seen, yeah. but there's not there's no explosions there's not really a gunfight <laughs> so yeah it, it is right. a it is a kind of a patient type of movie but i think audiences were definitely a lot more patient back then yeah yeah, I just don't think you'd see it made, period. Just, yeah, I just think that you wouldn't... I don't know. I don't think you'd have an actor like... like no, Okay, there's like the exception of like Mel Gibson who seemed to like torturing himself on the screen. <laughs> That's uh, true. The, the, uh, or not, it wasn't Gibson. He Well, the, in Braveheart he does, but then he directed the um, Jim Caviezel in the movie. Oh, uh, The Passion of Christ? Passion of the Christ, yeah. yeah. Sorry, couldn't remember the title. Yeah, mm-hmm. but that, that was like a, you know, kind of a torturous movie to watch um in that way but it was it was much more film like an epic in the style of like ten commandments or well, like that kind of movie versus like a character study like this one where you just see luke getting or you know paul newman getting beaten down a lot and you kind of he, some of the scenes are kind of just left to think about like what's going on and how mm-hmm. you know hard that is on a person and the inmates reactions to all that so right it's a different kind of movie than you'd see today period yeah, and I can't, you know, the star, we talk about it over and over again, the the star power back then, uh, where one, you would go see a movie for one guy or, or one actor or actress, uh, where now, I mean, who would you really go see that's new uh, just because they're in it, you know, <laughs> because. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, yeah. I think The Rock is basically that. <laughs> kind of, yeah. He's in a lot of movies and maybe some of them are like throwaway to, I mean, maybe he doesn't see it that way, but like, you know, you know, an average person might see some rock movies as a throwaway movie, but like, I think like he's just in a lot of movies because people will go pay to see the rock. And right. I don't know, like Tom Cruise, if necessarily people go to see him anymore, or they might go see him in Mission Impossible. Sure. I don't know that they're going to go see anything that Tom Cruise is in or something. I think he's like the last of the superstar actors. Yeah. Maybe Brad Pitt. I, I yeah, yeah, I don't know. Brad Pitt, maybe, yeah. yeah. Uh, Leonardo, uh, you know, they're they're like that. Yeah. Uh, Meryl Streep. But again, they're all, they're they're not really new actors either. So Yeah, yeah, there's nothing really, yeah. There's, yeah, up and coming wise, yeah, you're right. There's nothing really, yeah, that, I can't, yeah, I can't think of anyone really. It's more yeah, like, it, I mean, everything is like franchises now anyway. You right. Know, Marvel, Star Wars, whatever. Yeah, because as good as, let's say, you know, Chris Pratt is in uh, Guardians of the Galaxy or Robert Downey Jr. Um, as Iron Man. I, yeah, they're just not. Chris Pratt, you're not going to go see a movie just because he's in it, you know? Yeah, and I definitely did not see Dr. Doolittle or whatever it was. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
you're great as Iron Man, but I, I, I don't know. I'm not. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, cool and Luke. I mean, he Newman definitely owns this, and uh, there are so many memorable scenes. Uh, obviously, we, we'll talk about those. What are your What are your favorite scenes in this? I mean, the egg thing stands out for sure, but mm-hmm. um, I like the I like the scene where he kind of convinces all everyone to start working really fast mm, to, yeah. to finish the, finish off that road and they're you know spreading gravel across the tar or something like that, and he gets them to do it super fast so that they basically have nothing to do for the rest of the day. And it was kind of like a way to like mess with the guards without actually doing anything wrong because you know if they're done with their work, what can they make them do? They just sit right. there. It's got to sit there. It's kind of interesting like the way he kind of came up with with things like that to kind of not just pass the time but to kind of like you know fight the establishment of you know here the authority that was in the camp so right and and even the beginning of the movie he you know he he basically it's caught because he's bored you know he's cutting the heads off yeah i mean he's the stupidest thing he's just pulling heads off of the parking meter right beer and you know acting (laughs) dumb yeah Okay. <laughs> the the gambling scene is pretty good. The, or oh, the yeah. part where he gets his nickname, I think that's good. I think any, I pretty much any scene, anytime I've seen Paul Newman play cards in a movie, it's like <laughs> I don't know. It's, that's true. <laughs> the Sting. I don't know. There's got to be a couple other movies where he's done it too. Does he play cards uh, in Butch Cassidy? Yeah, maybe it feels like he does, but I, I don't know. Yeah, you would think he does, but he's yeah. just like a natural at it. So <laughs> well, he's he just is. convincing as someone. As someone is like a a good gambler, I guess. Yeah. He had a knack on screen where just like anything he does, you just you're you're drawn to him. Yeah, yeah, he's super super charismatic. And you know, it was one funny thing I was reading about uh, the making of this movie, and I don't know if it's true, but supposedly the cinematographer had a really hard time shooting it because the studio kept insisting that they show the blueness of Newman's eyes in like every oh. scene. And he got super mad. I don't know if that's kind of like you know a, a legend or not, but it sounds <laughs> it sounds like something the studios might do just because they're trying to you know get the most out of the their actor and you know this super marquee actor in the movie. But sure, yeah, I mean definitely even even without that, like even if let's say that's you know not true, but like even with that, like he's just like easygoing demeanor all the time and kind of I don't know, it's not something you see in most actors. I think that's why he's one of my, or he probably is my all time favorite actor. He's just like, I don't think there's too many guys out there that are, that are able to kind of pull off that, that, yeah, and his and his real life was dark. was equally as impressive, you know, where, where you know his his charities and his his mm-hmm. um, his food and and all that stuff. Like he kind of practiced what he what he preached, very much like like you know Tom Hanks and and uh, I mean Jimmy Stewart and and kind of a you know obviously a throwback. Yeah, for sure. Uh, so when did you first see this movie? Were you a kid and and did your parents recommend it? How did, how did you kind of stumble upon this? Let's see. I think I was in, I must have been college age or not long after. Um, and it was one of those movies that was like on a Saturday morning, like a matinee kind of thing on a local station. And back when local stations showed movies. <laughs> right. Exactly. I, I think I saw, I think I saw part, I saw all or most of it um, that way. And then I, I rented it again. And then I, now I own a copy of it. There's a DVD. It's actually a really old DVD because it has like, it's one of those, like it doesn't really have anything on it other than like the movie and the trailer mm-hmm. and like tr- like very basic trivia about the movie. Where if you buy a DVD or Blu-ray now, it's like you got all the stuff jammed onto it. So it's right, kind of funny how old my DVD is of, of it. But yeah, 
it's a uh, yeah it's one of those movies where i just i i mean i always like paul newman but from i think i the first movie i saw him in was the sting mm-hmm. which is another that was also on my top 25 list i'm pretty sure so oh, it's got to be <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's just a great movie and i saw that when i was a kid and then like pretty much anything i could see with paul newman you know as i got older i started watching and i hit you know i hit a phase around like once i graduated from college and was able to start renting dvds and stuff and then like netflix came around where i just started like ticking off a whole bunch of movies that i'd heard about and heard good mm-hmm. things about or like started following actors that i liked, like paul newman so i'm sure i rented it again even even though i had seen it um already and like you know like a tv movie well yeah and so i mean newman's like one of those actors where i did the same thing with him i did the same thing with humphrey bogart uh james cagney you know you just really want to dig deep into their their filmography and uh, and one thing you should definitely upgrade to a Blu-ray because it's got all the special features. Or you could just listen yeah. to this episode. I'm going to do that for you. So that's why I like doing these episodes. Right. <laughs> so I can <laughs> dig deep and then get yeah, fans yeah. of the movie Stop in there. It. So yeah. So uh, any other thoughts? Does it still hold up? Do you enjoy the film more and more as you as you see it as you get older, or is it you know something that's like oh it's it's enjoyable no matter you know when you watch it. I think it's enjoyable no matter when. I don't know if, I, if I've changed on my view of it at all. I think if anything, I, I probably appreciate the acting more. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's like top to bottom. You don't usually have movies anymore that are that good, that well acted. Um, yeah. Um, I think the like this time watching, it, I felt like the like the Christian symbolism was a little bit heavy handed, but mm. I don't think it's like a detractor of the movie. I think it was definitely trying to make a point, but it wasn't. Um, I felt like it just kind of was a little bit repetitive this time, or I don't know. I just was noticing it more. Maybe it didn't. <laughs> it took it took me out of it just a little bit. Mm-hmm. I thought the and I um it wasn't a, a plus or minus, but I was noticing the soundtrack a little bit more this time. Where um it was interesting because there's like you have some like country bluegrass music yeah. and then like the orchestral stuff, which is kind of like a weird like contrast between the two styles of music so it seemed like it was kind of the orchestral stuff was kind of contemporary of the 60s and then you have like the you know like the country stuff that kind of takes you back further so it's interesting because a couple of the country songs are kind of old standards and Mm -hmm. yeah it's like like, traditional folk yeah one yeah. was like cotton fields and another one uh, I can't remember, but Korean's Clearwater actually ended up covering both songs like in their heyday. Yeah, funny. which which is interesting because I I recognized that uh, when Harry Dean Stanton was singing, and then of course the score was done by uh, Layla uh, Schifrin, uh, who did mm-hmm. like Exorcist and 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 Dirty yeah. Harry. So I mean they definitely had a, a great crew for this, yeah, for sure. Yeah. Well, again, as always, it's been too long, and uh, yeah. I I miss us talking at work movies and uh, you know. know. <laughs> yeah. So well, we can we can keep doing some more podcasts. It's a just have to. We don't have a choice uh, at this point. So. I, <laughs> the government is now making us do generate po- podcasts to keep the. <laughs> hey, that's a good. Hey, look, even my happy. mom. My mom downloaded Skype, and so if she could do it, I think anyone can. So that's right. Yeah. All right. <laughs> Thank you, Brian. Yeah, thanks, Brian. We're back with Eric Sinzak. Welcome back, Eric. Oh, thanks, Brian. Thanks for having me back on. No problem. So we're going to do uh, arguably one of the most classic movies of all time, and it's saying a lot considering Paul Newman's been in a ton of amazing movies, and that is Cool Hand Luke. So uh, before we even get into this, I- I'm assuming you're a big Paul Newman fan. 
Yes, I like him. He's, to me, a classic actor. He's a man's man. He's a tough guy that, you know, when you see him on screen, you know, this guy is just something to be, you know, he, he he's just something not to mess with. He's healed. He's just a tour de force on screen. He is. And, and uh, he commands like your attention and on on when he's on camera and, that, and not many actors or actresses hold that kind of. Uh, I don't know. They just, he has something about him that you, you you can't uh you can't draw yourself away from him. Yeah. And I think as he got older and he was able to translate his roles, you know, as an older actor, I think he just he he pulled it off tremendously. I think some actors when they get older, you know, they don't they still try to hold on to those roles that they were doing when they were younger. Right. And it, it doesn't really do so well, but he managed to make his career just age like wine. I think he oh, yeah. did really well. Yeah, he kept evolving. And even like when he started to get older, as you said, like he was in like the verdict and absence of malice. Like he and even the, he brought back um, his, uh, fa- you know, fast Eddie <laughs> character in Color of Money. Oh, so, Color yeah. of Money. Yeah. 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 And he but he pulled it off because, you know, he didn't he didn't try to act like he was, you know, in his mid 20s again. No, he didn't keep going back to roles that, you know, were more, you know, directed dress for younger actors. He's like, you know what, I'm just not going to be that guy. I'm just going to go ahead and just accept my age, be graceful about it and go forward with my career. I think he did a tremendous job in a lot of those roles, those older roles. And he's he's just a he was a class act. Absolutely. And, and definitely practice what he preached, you know, setting up his own charities and, and donating all the, the profits to, to charity. So absolutely. So where would where would Cool Hand Luke rank in your your favorite Paul Newman movies? Well, actually, I you know, I it, it was a long time before I saw it. It was mm-hmm. one of those films. I saw a lot of his other movies before I saw Cool Hand Luke and I really kicked myself hard for oh. not ever seeing it and mm-hmm. i was like my god did I, I miss something special so yeah it, it me is probably right up there at the top uh mm-hmm. i like uh i like the verdict and i like cool hand luke probably the same you know right about the same uh but i probably give cool hand luke the top billing for all wow yeah, for me, yeah. it's got to be the Sting. So, yeah. Oh, you like the Sting? Well, oh, I like the it. Sting. Yeah, I like the Sting. But to me, I think since this is more focused on Cool Hand, you know, since Cool Hand Luke is more focused directly on Paul Newman. Sure. You know, Red Redford was great with him in the Sting. But I think since this is directly focused just on his acting, his character, his, such, such as character development in the film was so wonderful. You know, I, I give it just I give it to Cool Hand Luke. Sure, and I totally understand that. Yeah, this is definitely, and you don't see these movies anymore, and we we say this often, but this is damn good movie memories, and it's like a total <laughs> character. It's a total character study. Like he, they really, they don't, um, you know, they let the character develop, and there's so many complexities to to Luke uh, that they really get into. How, how did you feel about you know basically going the entire movie, seeing how this guy? It's funny because you, you they do get in a lot of it, and there's a lot of it you don't really understand about him like it you're still not sure about him he's yeah it's it's a it's a story of a lost soul Mm -hmm. it's a guy you know the guys who who were these shadows of themselves that came back after the war and you're not you're just you're afraid of them they were afraid of themselves and when they you know he played this this role perfectly because when he winds up in jail it's almost like he's trying to escape from life Mm -hmm. 
and I think he really was. He's like, you know, the Struther Martin telling him, oh, war hero, huh? Mm-hmm. You know, he's like, look, yeah. and it's exactly how he feels. He's like, I don't really know what else to do. You know, I can't go back in the military. I can't be a civilian. I've just got to escape into something else. So he's almost like he's escaping from life into jail. So uh, it was such an amazing development it's almost like i'm starting another chapter of my life by starting into prison yeah so he he kind of accepted it as well this is just how this is i'm not i'm not you know other guys would look at that as like oh god i'm going to jail terrified he's not (laughs) he wasn't terrified about it he was he was like okay well this is just how it is just another way of doing things so that to me was an amazing way that he played the character and the way it was written for him to play it. You know, Mm -hmm. the story itself is so brilliant. Oh yeah. Because when you look at other prison movies, you see guys going into jail and they look terrified or they look, you know, nervous or anything like that. And also I've watched Shawshank Redemption recently and and sort of the same way. And you look at Tim Robbins playing Andy and he doesn't look scared. It's like sort of the same way that, you know, you look at Luke when going into jail, he's just accepting it. This is how it is. And it's like, that's how those characters who know this chapter of their life is turning. This is how they accept it. So, mm-hmm. and that's another thing I got from looking at other, thinking about it. When I finally watched this, I've watched it before. I watched it again. And I'm thinking to myself, man, this movie had such impact on so many other films. Oh, yeah. You know, and there's so much out there that just said, oh, yeah, I got to use this. And mm-hmm. just like oh, so many other prison movies just rip from this, just like, you know, and even Shawshank Redemption ripped from it. I mean, the images of Andy standing there with his hands up, you know, sure. the rain coming down. I mean, that's right there in Cool Hand Luke. That's where Luke's standing there with the rain coming down with his arms up, you know. Oh, yeah. Right, oh, yeah. Right or right after, after he eats all the eggs and he's just kind of laying <laughs> like he's on the yeah. cross, you know, on the table. Well, he, yeah, he does that. But then when, he, when he's out there and he's, he's standing by the truck and and it starts to rain and he looks sure. up at god he's he's yelling at god and he's saying lord take me you know he's he's like all they're they're all sitting in the truck when the rains are coming and he actually stands there he's and he's got his arms up mm-hmm. and, and he's looking up at the sky and he's yelling at god yeah you know and it's it's raining on him and i'm thinking to myself my god shawshank just ripped this thing off oh yeah Oh, yeah. yeah. And and you bring up a good point about having, you know, the no fear going in. And then you like immediately he's partnered almost up with Harry Dean Stanton, who plays Tramp, and he's terrified of going in and, and he falls yeah. for the initial trick of, uh, you know, the bet and everything. And, and uh, you know, yeah, it's just it, it's really interesting. It's 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 such a well done movie. And uh, let's get into the other actors. Of course, I mean, Newman's the main star. He's in it you know, pretty much every scene, but uh, yeah, let, let's go through everyone else. How, how did you feel about like George Kennedy? And of course, Strother Martin. Well, George Kennedy, I, you know, you, he's so many films. You want him to be the likable guy. You, you like him in so many things. Mm-hmm. And then when you start off and he's, he's the badass, it's like, it takes you by surprise, but you know, he comes along and he becomes the good guy later on. Oh yeah. <laughs> Seeing him beat the shit out of him just, you know, in the yard, Oh. Yeah, you know, and the concept of you don't fight anyone until Saturday, you know, <laughs> that was, <laughs> you know, that's funny to me, but still, yeah, that, that always cracked me up. Now, Carr 
you know, tell them when they first get there. It says nobody fights nobody inside here. You fight them on. You want to fight somebody? You fight them on Saturday, right? You know, and oh. then they have to wait till Saturday. Mm-hmm. Oh, he d- and he so deserved the Oscar for because he won Best Supporting Actor. Kennedy did for that, and uh, yeah, it was a career making kind of film for him because he was in so many other things. I mean, my like younger audiences think of him as almost Leslie Nielsen's, um, you know, partner in Naked Gun. And then you go back here. Yeah. I mean, he had been acting for years before that. So, yeah, I mean, I mean, and he did, you know, a lot of dramatic stuff uh, mm-hmm. in the 70s. I mean, even like, you know, the disaster film stuff, the airport 77 yeah, and exactly. those other, things, you know, he was picking up roles every week. I mean, the guy couldn't turn around without getting a script thrown at him so he was really just making money hand over fist so it was this but you know seeing him in this role here he was really so physical in this role compared to a lot of other stuff that he was doing it was really impressive to see him do this role to me i mean this this character that he played in this was so incredible and it was so different compared to a lot of roles he played uh because it was very physical Sure, sure. And then, you know, what's great about that scene, that fight scene is, and talk about being reused, the whole respect thing, you know, the the won't quit attitude that that Luke had that, you know, he wasn't going to go down until he was literally knocked out. Uh, yeah. He totally won over the whole the whole prison by doing that. But it also was his downfall, of course. Yeah, because, it's true. You know, yeah. yeah. When they make him dig the hole later, you know, yep. it's yep. like, yeah, go ahead. What's your dirt doing in boss's ditch, you know? Yeah. yeah. And and, they, and that's the great thing about this movie that I think the the 60s and and of course the 70s were so good at. You knew there was never going to be a happy ending and and I think audiences were almost okay with it. Like they would go, still go along for the ride. Yeah, and there's a lot of you know people now there's some movies that people are okay with that and some mm-hmm. and for the large part a lot of audiences now want the happy ending. So I don't think this movie would play so well now with a broad audience. But, um, I think a lot of people now like me, I mean, I love old films, so I would watch it and I've still, I'm still fine with the way it ends. But, um, but yeah, I think if you had a major release now of this, if not knowing who Newman is, not knowing who Kennedy is and all those guys, sure. just, these are unknown actors. People would watch it and be like, Oh God, this sucks. You know, <laughs> but the, the general populace probably wouldn't enjoy it, but, um, well, you think about it, that, Shawshank does have a happy ending. <laughs> so as yeah. brutal as it is, it, it actually does have a happy ending. Yeah. I mean, he's good. He gets to the beach. He gets, you know, and Morgan yeah. Freeman gets to the beach with him and that's, uh, they get away. So, yeah. Yeah and, yeah. and and the evil guard or the evil warden gets his. So, I mean, that's, yeah. it all kind of ties it up. Yep. So you, you can't, I don't, and people love that film. So, oh, I, it's, it's it's one of the best films ever made. It's got to be a. Oh yeah, it's way it's way up there. And and I I mean I love the movie. I mean mm-hmm. I I I watch it every time. If it's on, I'm I'm leaving it on because yeah. it's just I can't not watch it. But because um, I mean the just the acting in that is superb. But oh, this movie yeah. I I don't I mean I'll I watch this movie and I I enjoy it. But I don't think people will. Uh, you know, appreciate it. Uh, you know, I think I think people appreciate it, but I think it takes a niche class of people to appreciate this. Um, Agreed. You know, over time. And it's a slow burner, too, which I think is also great uh, about older movies, too. Like, they're willing to really develop a story as opposed to just immediately getting to the action. Because the yeah. payoffs here are great, because there are some just 
iconic scenes in this film. And what are your some some of your favorite scenes uh, from this? Uh, let's see. I like the eggs eat, eating scene. Of course, of course. It's yeah. My stomach every time to watch it. So oh. it's hard yeah. to watch. Um, <laughs> And the escape scene where he's running from the dogs and he's jumping fences and he's getting, you know, where he's oh, doing yeah. all the things. And it, and that's just every time he gets away and then he gets drugged back. That's hard. It's all the little things, you know, the conversation that the the guys have. The, the dialogue to me is, is so well written in this film. It is. That even just the little conversations you hear with the guys in, in the you know, the bunkhouse, I want to say barracks because it's almost military. It, it is in many ways. Yeah. Yeah. It's, but it's, it's so well done. Strother Martin uh, is his dialogue was so well done and he acted so well in this. Um, and, and of course, everyone knows the line. What we got here is a <laughs> failure to communicate. And, right. you know, and at the end he throws it back at him. I think, it's enjoyable in that sense that um, it's memorable in a lot of ways with the dialogue and just the settings. I mean, I'm from the South. So Mm -hmm. seeing the country roads and seeing the scenery and the way the cinematography was done, it's uh, it's enjoyable to see it that way. Also the, the one scene that really stood out to me was him talking to his mother. Yeah. uh, And he's standing next to the truck and it's almost like, He's sort of cutting the ribbon from his, you know, life. He's mm-hmm. cutting everything off there. And that's the last thing he says. I guess it's his brother that says to him, you got no reason. You got no more reasons to come back. And he hands him, you know, the the banjo. Mm-hmm. He's walking away. That's the last thing he had to say to him. Yeah. So that was pretty rough. Yeah. Well, that and, and that's why I think movies, especially this movie, is so perfect because it's it's subtle. Like it's not they don't have to spell it out for you. And that that's why I think uh, I don't think movies today give audiences enough credit. Like I think they feel they almost have to spell everything out and give you like yeah. all of these like uh, not even hints. I mean, they fade it, they flat out tell you what's going on. And and that's why I think the people that really invest their time in this movie get, really appreciate it. It uh, it definitely was something I enjoy. I I enjoy this film, but at the same time, it, it it's not a feel good film. No, <laughs> no. There's some great scenes, and there's some incredibly memorable and fun scenes. But yeah, as a, as a as a whole, it, it it's pretty tough. Yeah, uh, Tar in the Road. That's another that's another good scene where they're oh, perfect. Figure, figures out if if we he makes them figure out if we get done faster, mm-hmm. we'll have two hours just to sit around. And right. they get to the stop stop sign, and you're like, "What do we do now?" <laughs> Nothing. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, the and they're all just... I think respected that, you know. Yeah, that was neat. And then, oh, of and course, the car washing that's... scene, of course. Oh, the car. Oh, of course, the car washing scene. Yeah, how could I forget the car washing scene? <laughs> <laughs> oh, uh, yeah. You know, she knows what she's doing. <laughs> oh yeah, it, it was. And, and think about it. This is 1967. Like it was pretty racy for the time. Oh yeah, I'm sure there were some eyes over some uh, hands over some eyes in the theater over that. Oh, guarantee it. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, something I noticed, um, and I, I, you know, I don't know if many people get the correlation, but so you have Paul Newman doing the voice of Doc Hudson from mm-hmm. in in Cars, right? And of course, you had the road; it had to be fixed in Cars. 
Lightning McQueen had to fix it. So <laughs> I, I never caught that until I was thinking about it. And I was like, oh shit, that's just, yeah, he had to do it. That was, that was from Cool Hand Luke. So yeah. that was, of course, the reference that. Yeah. Maybe I'm the dunce who missed it, but, you know. Well, so that's, that that's was... kind of going on a tangent. That's why um, Pixar, those Pixar movies and those Disney movies uh, later, they definitely have subtle nods to, to movie history. Yeah. Yeah, and that was that's cool. And I think it, those are the Easter eggs for the real, real hardcore movie fans. Then there was uh, th- Toy Story 3 the other night I'm watching, and uh, they have a whole thing that said, uh, anybody caught after lights out spends a night in the box. <laughs> See, there you go. So somebody obviously loved Newman. <laughs> yeah. So like they're just walking, and then it's like, a, and Woody's like, "Yeah, yeah, I get it. Hey, if you caught it, lights out, you know, spend the night in the box." So yeah, they're. <laughs> so, what? Some final thoughts on this? Like, when was the last time you saw this? Did you rewatch it recently? And and how often do you come back to it? Well, I did. I did do a rewatch on it. Uh, I watched it last week. Okay. Uh, I had. I saw it originally um, on a rental. Um, I picked it up on DVD about uh, about two years ago, okay. and then I was like, "It's been a while," so I but I, I rewatched it last week, and I I miss. I caught some stuff I missed, so I was glad to rewatch it. But um, it is probably my one of my favorites, if if not my favorite Paul Newman film. Mm-hmm. absolutely yeah and this is a must watch i think for any film buff i it's it's you gotta at least watch it once yeah it's definitely homework if you haven't seen it you gotta see it so oh i yeah i mean it's a it's a top whatever movie absolutely yeah well as always thank you so much eric and i think you're gonna be back on pretty soon oh yeah i'll have to do that thanks brian <laughs> thanks man <laughs>